0: Please remain standing as we read from God's truly an inspired word. 1 Samuel 21, where we read the following. Then David came to Noah, to Ahimelech the priest. And Ahimelech came to meet David, trembling, and said to him, Why are you alone and no one with you? And David said, To Ahimelech the priest, the king has charged me with a matter and said to me, let no one know anything of the matter about which I sent you and for which I have charged you. I have made an appointment with the young man for such and such a place. Now then, what do you have at hand? Give me five loaves of bread or whatever is here. And the priest answered David, I have no common bread on hand but there is holy bread. If the young men have kept themselves from women, and David answered the priest, truly, women have been kept from us as always when I go on an expedition. The vessels of the young men are holy even when it is an ordinary journey. How much more today will their vessels be holy? And so the priest gave him the holy bread for there was no bread there but the bread of the presence, which is removed from before the Lord to be replaced by hot bread on the day it is taken away. Now a certain man of the servants of Saul was there that day, detained before the Lord, and his name was Duag, the Edomite, the chief of Saul's herdsmen. And David said to Ahimelech, then have you not here a spear or a sword at hand? For I have brought neither my sword nor my weapons with me because the king's business required haste. And the priest said, for the sword of Goliath, the Philistine, whom you struck down in the valley of Elah, behold it is here, wrapped in a cloth behind the ephod. If you will take that, take it. And there is none there but that. And David said, There is none like that. Give it to me. And David rose and fled that day from Saul and went to Achish, the king of Gath. And the servants of Achish said to him, Is this not David, the king of the land? Did they not sing to one another of him in dances? Saul has struck down his thousands. And David is ten thousands? And David took these words to heart and was much afraid of Achish, the king of Gath. And so he changed his behavior before them and pretended to be insane in their hands and made marks on the door of the gate and let his spittle run down his beard. Then Achish said to his servants, Behold, you see the man is mad. Why have you brought him to me? Do I like madmen that you have brought this fellow to behave as a madman in my presence? Shall this fellow come into my house? David departed from there and escaped to the cave of Abdullah. And when his brothers and all his father's house heard it, they went down there to him. And everyone who was in distress and everyone who was in debt and everyone who was bitter in soul gathered to him, and he became commander over them. And there were with him about four hundred men. And David went from there to Mishpeth of Moab, and he said to the king of Moab, Please, let my father and mother stay with you till I know what God will do for me. And he left them with the king of Moab and they stayed with him all the time that David was in the stronghold. And then the prophet Gad said to David, do not remain in the stronghold, depart and go into the land of Judah. And so David departed and went into the forest of Hereth. So far, the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please pray with me. Precious Lord, reading about the journey that David took after his departure from Jonathan, that we heard about last week, we can't but wonder what must have gone through his mind, the mind of your anointed. We know from earlier events that the Spirit of the Lord had come upon David, and yet here he is, running away from Jerusalem to Nob, to Gath, to the land of the Philistines, to Mespez in Moab, and to the land of Judah. Surely this is a confusing turn of events. And so Lord, I pray that through the mighty power and indwelling of the Holy Spirit, you give Pastor Andrew the words to speak so we may all understand how this passage of your word can apply to our own lives. And this I pray in the name of the greater David,
1: Jesus Christ. Amen. You may be seated. Well, good morning. It's good to be back among you. My wife and I have been camping for the last couple of weeks, a a restful time and uh, glad to be back and glad to be moving forward in the year as we kind of look ahead to this new school year. And we're not done with summer yet, don't worry about that. But uh, you start to turn the corner a little bit in your mind. But looking forward to moving uh, ahead in the story of David as well. Uh, John really set the scene well for you. As we've been going, uh, we've recognized that this story in 1 Samuel is uh, about people's longings for a king, and uh, we've seen how that has progressed through Samuel and through Saul. Uh, and then now into David, the one who is the anointed of God. He's not the people's king like Saul was, but he is God's king. But here it becomes, as John says, just a little bit confusing because David is uh, exiled. He's driven out and we, we see the story turn in such a way that the rest of the book of first Samuel basically David is on the run. Uh John mentioned all those different places. You can add to that the wilderness of Ziph, the the wilderness of um, uh of Paran. I mean, it just it just goes on and on. David is is going from place to place, driven about on the run, all of that What is happening? Here's how Eugene Peterson puts it. He says, David didn't choose to enter the wilderness, but he was chased there. These wilderness years are a study in contradictions. On David rested both the anointing of God as well as the animosity of Saul. He was both a friend of God and an enemy of the king. He was both divinely protected and diligently pursued. When we find ourselves in the wilderness, we do well to be afraid. We do well to be alert. In the wilderness, we're plunged into an awareness of danger and death. The very same moment, we're plunged, if we let ourselves be, into an awareness of the great mystery of God and the extraordinary preciousness of life. David's wilderness years combined these elements of preciousness and precariousness. Peterson makes the jump from David's life to our life. Uh, Maybe you're thinking right now, I can really relate to the idea of the wilderness. I didn't want to be there. Uh, I was chased there could be a whole variety of things that lead us into the wilderness. It could be uh, the wilderness of a health issue. I remember one of my daughters uh, several years ago who injured her, her knee in a, in a track accident, which led her into a wilderness of, of sitting and just thinking and just all sorts of things that were tied up into that because of an injury. Your wilderness could be the result of a, of a family rupture and, and disjointedness. And, you know, whether it, it could be a spouse, a marriage situation, could be a sibling, a child, all, all of these things. And, and suddenly we've, we find ourselves in, in the wilderness of emotion and life. And I, I didn't want to be here, and yet... Here I am. Where do I? Where do I go in this moment? Could just be spiritual desolation. Uh, you might feel very, very far from God, or you may feel that God is distant from you. Maybe it's tied up with a church. We can be very disappointed by our churches at times and leadership and and all of those things. And you find yourself in this wilderness, whatever it might be, uh, the wilderness comes to us. And what I want to do this morning is I want to use what we read here in 21 and, and the first couple of verses of, of 22 uh, and and just kind of look over this whole thing and make some observations about the wilderness, our journeys, the Lord, and, and begin to see what it is that God is doing in David's life, first of all, but then also apply it to us and ask the question, what what might God be about? If I find myself in the wilderness, what can I expect? Uh, What can I hope for? Uh, And and what, what, what is there to really hang on to in the middle of the wilderness? Those aren't my points necessarily. Those are the questions that pervade us. Three observations for us, wilderness can be confusing, the wilderness uh, affords surprising refuge, and the wilderness is the place to meet God. That That's going to shape us in terms of an outline. First of all, the wilderness can be confusing. Uh, we see that in, in several ways here. Uh, as you begin this whole story, the, the fact of the wilderness is something that, that comes on David Bit by bit, it doesn't happen right away. You remember back in uh, 17, he fights uh, Goliath and he's victorious there and then in 18 and 19 saul is plotting against david uh but seemingly undercover like it's not blatant uh he's tormented he does throw a spear at david a couple of times but people don't really realize that david is the target it just seems that saul is disquieted in his soul saul is plotting you know i'm gonna make him, you know, I'll have him marry one of my daughters, then he'll become a target of the Philistines when I send him out, and so David will be killed, but nobody will really know that I'm plotting against him, and David actually, in chapter 20, which Michael looked at last week, David and Jonathan are trying to decide, like, is Saul really after me, (laughs) You know, is is this something that I need to flee from? And sometimes our situation can be like that. You know, we we feel that there are these things that are are besetting us, but it's not clear. Uh, do am I being hunted? Am I being targeted? Am I being persecuted? Am I uh, about to enter a wilderness phase, or what is exactly going on here? It. Can be confusing to us. Even in the wilderness, we're going to look in. I think next week uh, we'll we'll look at when when David comes upon Saul, and they're in a cave, and it seems like you know Saul is pursuing David to kill him. Saul, David has Saul at his mercy. It seems like he would be justified in in killing Saul, sort of in self defense. Is it a test? Is it, you know, providence that has brought him there? How we respond in these moments, it's not always super clear. And And where do you go? I mean, John mentioned it. David's all over the place. He, just in chapter 21, he's in Nob, and then he's down over in Gath in, in Philistia on the, on the west coast of, of Israel, and then he's back in Jerusalem, and then he's up in Moab across the Jordan River on the east side, and then he's back in Jerusalem, and then he's going from one wilderness to another wilderness to another wilderness. He, he is all over the place. Have you ever been confused about your wilderness wanderings? When the Lord brings you in there, the the questions have have they ever risen in your mind? If so, uh, welcome to the wilderness. Uh, it, it seems to be the normal pattern. Uh, for God's people, and and how do we respond, and and how do we even think about our responses? You know, chapter twenty-one here, this this intersect with Ahimelech at the beginning part of the chapter, and then that sort of that story continues later on in in chapter twenty-two, verses six and, and forward. It's it's a confusing story. Uh, is David? acting here out of his own wiles and his own volition? Because he goes to Ahimelech and and he seems to tell him something that is not true, uh, that Saul had sent him on a mission. And then he asks for the sword of Goliath, which is kind of interesting because he's seen that the sword of Goliath doesn't really prevail uh, against the will of God. So why would he ask for the sword when he knows that he has God on his side? And there are several times in the course of David's wilderness wanderings, there are several times where we see it's very clear that he inquires of the Lord. You see in 22.3 how Gad, the prophet, comes to him and speaks very clearly. If you look in 23 verse 2, it says, David inquired of the Lord, shall I go and attack these Philistines? We don't see that in 22. And I I don't fully know how to interpret, or I'm sorry, in 21, I don't fully know how to interpret what David's motives are here, what he's doing. Uh, When Jesus refers to this in in Mark chapter 2, he refers to it somewhat positively. He says, David was right to eat that particular bread. I don't know if he's commenting on the whole thing or just that particular part of that. My whole point is, is that even in the midst of it, what we're doing can seem Unclear to us what we're, how we're responding we we may not know Whether we're responding right or whether we're responding wrongly. It, it may seem this confused muddle I, I'm in no way saying that we can do whatever we want in the wilderness and, and that we we just do whatever it takes to survive That's that's not what I'm saying What I'm saying though is that it's confusing And that sometimes we we do our very best and we leave the rest to trust to God how he works it out. Because God does work it out. And that's the second thing that I want to point out to you is that the wilderness does afford surprising refuge. Even in the midst of our confusion, even in the midst of our flailing, even in the midst of going here and there and and not really sure where we are, God is still at work. Uh, God is still providing for us. If you go back and you look over the story, David's life is threatened before he even knows it, But God has champions for him. God has people like Jonathan, you know. Jonathan, who is Saul's own son. Saul is the one who is seeking to take his life. Jonathan advocates for David and and stays the hand of Saul. Michael, who is Saul's own daughter, uh, works with David when Saul sends his Uh, spetsnaz. He sends his uh, crack troops over to take David's life. Michael is the one who lets him out and and hides the idols in his bed and and makes a way for David to escape. Uh, These are unexpected allies. Uh, on the one hand they they should be after David. David is threatening their household he's threatening their future. If David has a throne, then that means Jonathan doesn't. But as Michael so you know pointed out so well last week, Jonathan is oriented in a different way. Jonathan is oriented not towards his own gain but towards the the covenant friendship that he has with David under the Lord, and so they become allies for David somewhat unexpectedly. There are some uh, expected allies. We see Ahimelech here who is one of the priests of the Lord. Uh, we would expect him to, to help David, and, and he does. Uh, Samuel, uh, he goes to Samuel towards the end of, of 22, and uh, and he spends some time there. Samuel harbors him at a place called Naoth. Uh, we would expect Samuel to harbor David because he knows that he's the anointed one. Part of what I want us to see is that we have allies, some who we would expect, uh, and, and some places where we would least expect them. Have you ever experienced that? in the middle of of your wilderness times. uh, Sometimes you you may go to a church, you may go to a pastor or a friend or whatever, and you expect uh, to receive comfort and encouragement and maybe even some challenge in, in certain situations, and you receive that. But other times, maybe you're at work or in the neighborhood and somebody that you didn't even know was a Christian, or maybe somebody, who isn't even a christian uh, offers you the kind of encouragement that you really need at that moment it's interesting we see that as well with david you know two places that david goes that are kind of surprising one is to gath uh, the king there achish um, and and he flees there it's it's a little odd Uh, Because he flees there with Goliath's sword. Uh, And you remember that Goliath was from what town? Gath. So he's going into Goliath's house with Goliath's sword as the one who has defeated Goliath. Not exactly sure what he was thinking at that moment. Again, we, we're not told that he inquired of the Lord. Is he thinking on his own? Is he, is he inquiring of the Lord? I, we're just not sure. But he ends up there feeling very afraid, which we can relate to, as it says at, in, um, in verse 11, or I'm sorry, um, David took the, verse 12, David took these words to heart and was much afraid of Achish, the king of Gath. So he changed his behavior, pretended to be insane, and eventually is evicted out. Uh, but then David goes to Moab, and that's interesting. So Moab is across the Jordan River. Can anybody think of any reason why David might have gone to Moab? Who's came from there? there you go. Uh, Ruth, uh, who is David's great-grandmother, uh, was a Moabitess. And so David flees to the place, uh, takes his, his family which is interesting, you know, he has kind of an interesting relationship with his family, but there in 22, his, his brothers come to him, and now he takes his father and his mother, and presumably his brothers as well, and he seeks for sanctuary among his great-grandmother's uh, people. One of the things that I think that we observe here is, you know, what we've said several times throughout series, the series, the providence of God. Uh, God is always at work. Even when we're in the wilderness, God has got his plans that he is working out that we oftentimes can't see. What, what do we, you know, we, we don't think much about Ruth the Moabitess coming in. and But God knew that there was gonna be a time where the family of his anointed needed safety. And he was preparing that Generations ahead of time. We're, we're such uh, you know, products of the moment that, that we can't, we, we oftentimes forget that God sees our past from before and, and well into the future. So we can trust in the middle of our wilderness that God has gone before us. And that God prepared a way and that God will prepare a way and that God will continue moving on through this. Even the situation with Ahimelech, you know, David brings Ahimelech into the situation and, and we see a certain man of the servants of Saul was there that day detained before the Lord. You, you, you recognize the, the author brings us into the providential hand of the Lord. Doeg the Edomite is there. Now, it seems that that turns out to be disaster because later on in in chapter 22, uh, Doag ends up standing forward and killing all of the priests of that line. But if we remember the story as it's progressed back in 1 Samuel chapter 3, you remember it's prophesied at that time that all the priests of Eli's line will be wiped out. And and here is the fulfillment of that prophecy. God is at work. He is even using somebody like Doeg, who we would say is, is not oriented towards the Lord, who is willing to lift up his hands against those that are anointed by the Lord. But God is guiding and God is orchestrating even from the shadows. Does that encourage you at all, you know, to recognize that in the wilderness, as confusing as it might be to us at the moment, that it is clear to the Lord. A- and he has gone before you, whether it's your great-great-grandfather or great-great-grandmother or some other situation laying the groundwork, or that even if things seem to be completely askew, completely out of hand, that God is still using that situation to accomplish His holy will uh, and to fulfill all of the word that He has. One of the things, you know, wilderness is such a big theme throughout the scriptures. Of course, God's people spent 40 years wandering in the wilderness and we know that God took them there. We, we know that they could have gone from Egypt to the promised land by the short way. Uh, but in Exodus chapter 13, I think verse 17, it says God didn't take them by that way. God took them by the long way through the wilderness because he wanted to, he wanted to teach his people. Uh, he, he wanted to know what was in their hearts. He wanted to to test them. He wanted them to learn to trust him and to walk with him and and to be close with him. He wanted them to know that even in the wilderness, he would carry them. I, I love how he says, you know, in Deuteronomy 1, he says, in the wilderness where you have seen how the Lord your God carries you, as a man carries his son, all that way you went until you came to this place. It's such a beautiful picture of of a God who knows, who knows that it's confusing, who knows that it's desolate, who knows that we will be afraid, who knows that we will be lonely, who knows that we will want to give up, and that we will want to turn back, and we will want to go to Egypt, and we will want to find our comforts, we will want to escape the wilderness. But God says, I'm gonna carry you. I'm gonna carry you until I bring you to a place where you can know me, and you can know my heart. Because ultimately, the wilderness is where we meet the Lord. Uh, God brings us there in order that we might meet them. And sometimes God uses the wilderness to get Egypt out of our hearts. You know, it's been said that, you know, God released the people from the land of Egypt in a relatively short amount of time. You know, we, we look at all of the plagues and from the time that Moses came and said to Pharaoh, let my people go and, you know, period of, of days, months. God's got his people out of Egypt, but it took 40 years for God to get Egypt out of his people. And, and that oftentimes is the purpose of the wilderness. Uh, the wilderness, God, God wants to strip us down in order that he can build us back up and that we can trust him and that we can love him Part of the way we recognize that through David's story is when we realize what is going on in David's heart while he's in the wilderness. I mean, we've said it's confusing. Uh, You feel lonely. We've said David is, is afraid. You know, all of these things are going on in him. And yet, what is produced during this particular wilderness time are some of the most amazing psalms. Uh, that, that we have in, in the Scriptures. We've been, you know, immersed in one of them this morning throughout our worship, Psalm 34. You noticed, didn't you, uh, reader number one told us that this was a psalm uh, written of David when he changed his behavior before Abimelech. Abimelech is the throne name for Achish. So right out of this period, uh, this this is David's heart when he is in Gath. This is David's heart where he is on the run, confused, God, I thought you anointed me and now I'm driven out. This is David's heart when he is afraid and he is calling to the people, come and magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name forever. I mean, it's incredible to see how the wilderness is taking from David in the midst of all of these things that are very real. And I'm not diminishing the confusion, the fear, the wondering, all of that. But in the middle of that, God can be working a miracle in the heart of his servant. So much of it depends on how we answer this question, though. Will we despise the wilderness, or will we embrace it? And I realize that I am putting to you something that is very real. I'm not saying this flippantly. The wilderness is hard. It is really hard. Uh, And and I don't need to tell you that. You you know it. But but will you embrace when the Lord has you in the wilderness? Will you, in, in the words of David, I sought the Lord and he answered me. Those who look to him are radiant. This poor man cried and the lord heard him the angel of the lord encamps around those who fear him taste and see that the lord is good can you do that in the wilderness will you do that in the wilderness part of i think what the scriptures ask of us or invite us into is surrender. It's laying down ourselves, laying down our own wiles and our own machinations and the ways that we want to find the way through the wilderness. Uh, and, And to look to the Lord. Read Psalm 34 again. I mean, I invite you today, you know, having this background and really understanding where David is and, and, and the same with Psalm 56. Psalm 56 is, is from the same time when David was in Gath and you know, when I am afraid, I will trust in you. There is a complete surrender on David's part uh, from his own ideas his own way through the desert and surrendering to the Lord. You know, part of what Moses says to the people, you remember the the way, the whole way that the Lord your God has led you this 40 years in the wilderness that he might humble you. This is Deuteronomy 8, by the way, that he might humble you, testing you to know what was in your heart. And he humbled you, and he let you hunger, and he fed you with manna, which you didn't know anything about, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you know that man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. It's interesting in Psalm 56. Uh, David says, when I'm afraid, I will put my trust in you, in God whose word I praise. He says that three or four times throughout the psalm. He doesn't say in God who I praise, in God whose word I praise. And there's an invitation here in the wilderness when you are vulnerable, when you are aware of your need, when you can look up, to look up and and to hunger for the Word of God, hunger for God to meet you in that place. Here's the last thing that I want to remind you of. David isn't the only anointed one that was driven into the wilderness. When Jesus is baptized, uh, the, the dove comes and descends on him, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. In a very real sense, Jesus' anointing is on display in that moment. The very next scene, what does it say? And the Spirit drove him into the wilderness. The anointed son of God uh, was driven into the wilderness to face the temptations of the devil, uh, to be invited to go his own way, to to stop hungering for the word of the Lord and to be satisfied with bread. The Spirit of God took Jesus there because he knows that's the path that the anointed always have to travel. And Jesus essentially walked that wilderness path every day of his sojourn here on earth. Every day, I mean, we see it so clearly, uh, you know, in the garden, on the cross, you know, Father, if it is your will, if there's any way, let this cup pass from me. This wilderness is so great, I don't know If I can bear it, if I can go forward. My God, my God, he said, why have you forsaken me? He was in the heart of the wilderness. But he did it because he knows that that is the path of the anointed. And as we've said, we share his anointed. We share his anointing and which shouldn't surprise us therefore that we find ourselves in these wilderness ways but what we see on this side of the cross that that david couldn't see as clearly is that we we don't walk it alone you know just like god carried the israelites as a man carries his son through the wilderness we too are carried by the very Spirit of God who takes up residence in us. I don't know what your wilderness is. I do know that many of you are in it. I've had conversations just this morning on the way into church uh, that, that tell me about your wilderness. But here's what I know. You have a Savior that has gone before you. You have a Savior that has plumbed the depths of the wilderness in order that we might gain the promise, in order that we might gain uh, the fulfillment, the city, uh, the promised land. And you have a Spirit who lives within you, who gives you everything that you need in order to walk through the wilderness so we come back to that question will you despise the wilderness or will you embrace it will you trust that even though things are are wrong about you and we can acknowledge that we're no nobody's saying that what saul is doing is right you know nobody's saying that doeg you know, was, was the right doing the right thing when he stepped up and killed. But what we're saying is that God is greater than those, that God is greater than those that oppose us, that God is greater than those who lift up their hands, and that when we are afraid, we can put our trust in him. And it may be, like David, if we embrace the wilderness, that we even find words to praise. Come and magnify the Lord with me. Let's exalt his name forever. Will you pray with me? Father, we thank you for this word. We thank you for the way that uh, it lays us barren. It lays us open. It lays us vulnerable in the wilderness. We thank you that you have given us these stories which we can see our own story. We, we realize that the anointed, they too wander in the wilderness. We, we realize that your great anointed, the, the Messiah, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, did not despise the wilderness, but entered it willingly in order that we might know uh, the, the promised land So, Lord, we we pray that you would help us to find our place with our Savior, that we would take our stand beneath his cross, and that we would journey forward in its promises. We pray this all in the strong name of Jesus. Amen.